sit together in the dark. They speak. Their voices rise together. Their voices fall together. One voice speaks of this, the other of that. When they join, their words turn into flames, their voices into fire. This is Voice of the Fire, a podcast about storytelling. Welcome again to Voice of the Fire. Today's episode will take us to India. And today's episode is also going to be a little bit different than the other ones because our guests today are not traditional storytellers in the classical sense, but are two theatre performers and documentary filmmakers called Ishwa Kumar and Anushka Minakshi. They are both from Chennai in southern India and they are the founders of the Uramili project. Ramili comes from the Chokri language. The Chokri are a tribe in northeastern India and it means the song of our people. The project was started in 2011 when the couple started traveling through India looking for any kind of performances in the public sphere, things that people did every day. They soon found themselves drawn to songs, to some music, to movement and rhythm. And they began to document that. They began to film, to record, to write, to photograph, all these little moments, these little songs that people would sing to them or that they would observe people singing and acting out on the street while they were working, while they were waiting 
or while they were simply talking to them. From those beginnings, Urami Lee has grown. They are now finishing their first feature film called Up, Down and Sideways, which focuses on the work songs of tribal people in Nagaland in far northeastern India. I myself became aware of Uramili sometime in 2011. During the time I was working on projects that documented and tried to document changing and vanishing traditions. And so, this project where people were trying to collect songs, things that nobody can grasp, that can easily vanish, and that are momentary, and ever-changing, was something very, very fascinating. They created this project with a lot of individuality, with a lot of obvious love and care. And I've always since wanted to support that in any way, because I do believe it is a very, very worthwhile cause, and the films that they've put out have been extremely, extremely good. We are going to include here, um, not stories this time, but a couple of clips, audio clips from their movies, from their documentaries, to give you a little window into what Anushka and Ishwa are doing with their project Uramili. Um, well, where do we start, really? Yeah. <laughs> where do we start? I mean, maybe a little bit about yourselves. If you were to mm. tell people about yourselves, about your background, mm -hmm. so I do know you've got a background in theatre or in, in mm -hmm. documentary film. I think, Anushka, you are, you, you've got a background in documentary film, is that right? Uh, yeah, well, actually, background in journalism. In journalism, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I studied, but <clears throat> never really worked as a journalist. Almost soon after um, we, I finished uh, studies, then I started off with a few friends making documentary films. So, documentary film has been quite like learned on the job. Mm. That's the best uh, way to learn it. <laughs> Very much so. And, uh, and of course, like side-by-side -side theater has happened like right through, which is... Um, I, we both work with a performance collective in in Madras. It's called Perch. Yes. So we have like so uh, a whole bunch of people who we work with who are storytellers in different ways. I guess I mean people who are designers, some who are directors, architects, like different people who and we kind of collaborate on uh, various projects. So that's that's been actually sort of the community which from which we work really like. 
place where we get to uh, exchange our ideas, get a lot of feedback from our ideas, a sort of very immediate community that we have back home uh, of people we work with. So yeah, that's, and in terms of documentary film, I think um, I've done a, quite a lot of work with, uh, earlier on, which had much more to do with um, working with non-profits, like um, telling, uh, doing these films about different sort of social issues. Um, but of late, it has been more towards looking at performance, music, that's the kind of stuff I've been interested in. Mm-hmm. When you say performance music, I think you mean something. Um, is that because when when I hear the term performance, it's usually used in in art, uh-huh. uh, in a very very uh, art, something that is sometimes artificial, sometimes um, yeah. just mm-hmm. somebody basically doing yeah. that, the, yeah. trying to integrate the art. Is that what you mean, or so? Yes, in a sense, uh, but as far as uh, my filmmaking goes and what we've been following as part of our work and uh, as the Uramni project has been much more looking at performance in the everyday. So, uh, I mean, the performance we do as part of our theatre collective is is of course it's staged it's it's all of that but it's theatre like uh, but uh, but what we're interested in when we travel and we're filming it's it's very much performance in the everyday so we're looking at um like the way rhythms come into everyday life the way music comes the way a certain kind of gesture or movement comes into everyday work or or, or just even conversations things like that so i think yeah definitely what we haven't been looking at is staged performance no, uh, yeah, performance in the everyday, I guess, is more like, it's not performance in the everyday, it's more like uh, the everyday which has a strong performative quality to it. Yeah. Yes. Which means, basically, like when you step on stage, um, you have a certain kind of a chemistry with the people that you work with, you have a certain understanding of rhythm, certain understanding of space, a certain kind of a collective consciousness as to what is the story or what is this objective that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And in that sense, when you see work, when you see labor, it has a lot of these qualities which are similar to being on stage, but you can't call it performance because it is labor at the end of the day. So, yeah. Do you understand? I understand absolutely. That's exactly what I wanted to uh, steer the uh, conversation towards. Uh, Because this is... is quite fascinating this uncontrived sort of almost spontaneous kind of art that happens though I do wonder if it is spontaneous or if it is um, if it's almost like an old uh, ritual like people know these songs and they have a certain structure yeah yeah very much so that it's almost like this developed side by side this is not something that has been developed for as we would say an artistic purpose where we have we set out a play or or write yeah. a book or whatever to convey some sort of message, but there it's yeah. not about the message. There it simply is about um, an, an everyday rhythm. It's about yeah. Um, yeah. either a deeper sense of of, of 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 labor or anything else. So like this, we've been filming in Nagaland. Have like lyrics are there for songs. 
guideline. So you have like a certain line that will begin a song and a certain line that will end a song. You also have lyrics in the middle, break out of it. Like many times people improvise their own lyrics, they make up their own words, they sometimes start singing in gibberish, sometimes they start saying, oh, uh, I don't know the next line of the song, oh, I don't know the next line of the song, oh, why are these people still filming me, why are these people still filming me? <laughs> so it, they just make up a lot of stuff, oh, that girl looks quite hot, I think she likes me. So, you know, like they just keep making up stuff along with it, Yeah. but then every now and then one of them may remember the lyrics and then go back into uh, these poetic lines that are written as lines. Then, so you can weave in and out of these to create whatever moods you want. Exactly. But for me, this is fascinating because this is almost like um, uh, what you do in, in improvisational um, performance yeah. or in storytelling. Because you kind of, exactly. you start, you have a point where you start and in the yeah. middle, there's, it's all fuzzy and you, you just yeah. take whatever it's you like, have and whatever you can use yeah. and then you have an end yeah. at some point. Yeah. But it, it's, it's fascinating to see this, not on the stage, but everywhere like yeah. this would be the i think this would almost be the roots where our yeah. ideas of storytelling and our ideas of rhythm yeah. in in tale come from and that's what makes yeah. it so fascinating yeah. but i think yeah. at that point maybe i should mention or we should mention your project or amelie because if mm. somebody is listening to this uh most likely they will not know what it is and I have been following that for quite some years, and I think it is a very, very fascinating project. If you were to describe that quickly, or briefly, what would you say about, what would you say this is, Uramili? Uh, so, Ramli really has been a sort of journey looking for these moments of um, rhythm and music and uh, something that is performative in the everyday. Um, it's been quite a free-flowing kind of travel um, in the sense that a lot of these things are not necessarily um, songs or, or moments that, are, that have been greatly documented. So uh, in, it really has been a journey in the sense that we've found, we've encountered a lot of these things just from conversations with people from, uh, yeah, really from the travel. So I, it's something that has been as much travel as research, uh, as filming, I think, uh, the entire project. Mm -hmm. no? Yeah. So the, the word comes from uh, uh, this dialect in Nagaland called Chokri, which means the song of our people. And after the first year of our travel, we were searching what, what could we possibly call this journey? What could we call this project? What is it becoming? So we had asked a lot of people and one of the groups we filmed with they the Tetsuya sisters in Kohima they suggested like a couple of things and this one just jumped out at us and said ah the song of our people this sounds nice it's got music in it it's got people in it and that's pretty much what our work is it's a lot of hanging out with people chatting with them cracking jokes and just watching people at work and what it is, is it's a series of documentary films that you have put together over the past mm. six years that deal with um, various kinds of song in Indian daily life. Yeah. Mm, Very much. Right now you are focusing mostly on work songs, but 
but you have also mm. done anything from I think there were birth songs to songs sung during death. At least that was in, in the the original way it was. I think the, the last yeah. documentaries were focusing on different kinds of songs, but the original idea of the project was to kind of create a compendium of a, a visual compendium and an, and a, an auditory compendium of all these different uh, everyday songs that are being yeah. sung in different places in India. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And uh, that continues to be the larger project. And we're, we're doing, of course, film and audio, but uh, we also find along the way that there are certain times when it becomes... Uh, we have also done a lot of like written work. Like There's this one instance where we've uh, transferred a lot of our material to this online archive called Padma. And there we've done some pretty uh, extensive sort of written annotations to go with the video and audio material because I think in certain circumstances it's, it's really interesting for somebody to really get, I mean, not just watch and hear but also get the entire context in which these songs are being sung, how we encountered them, um, where they are, what they're doing, wh what is the background to this. So, um, yeah, so also we've been trying to do a lot of written work that goes along with this material. So it's, yeah, I guess it's an archive, but it's also film that, uh, like films that have, been, that draw from the archive, that bring together different material from the archive to make it uh, more easily viewable, but also for somebody who wants to immerse themselves in it, we want to create as much material that they can like actually engage with. Mm -hmm. So both, I would say all, all these things. Yeah, I guess our main uh, focus is on the story. So, and each story calls for its own uh, way of telling that story. So, you have to find the form for it. Sometimes a photograph tells a story way better than any write-up or any film could or sometimes just a, a snatch of an audio will be far more evocative to an audience rather than actually watching it. And sometimes writing it down as a story uh, in a written form may be better, sometimes Performing it on stage may be beautiful. So, depending on what the story is that is jumping out to us and what kind of material we have for it, we decide, oh, okay, maybe I don't have enough footage for this, so maybe we should try doing a photograph of it or maybe this will work better in performance. Or, so, you decide based on that and find the right medium for it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, just play with it. That's always it. We also did a couple of like storytelling sessions where we did um, a mix of showing footage but also mm. telling some stories from our journey. So like it, it, the link was the journey itself. It was we'd show say a minute of footage and then talk about how we got to that place, what happened. Uh, maybe some, the best moment at that place is not actually there on film or video. So we just you know talk about it in leave some up to the imagination and then move on to the next place. So we, we uh, that's also something we, we're going to continue to try to do because it's also nice. Then you're not just going with like a kind of finished package of a film or something. It, yeah. it leaves a little bit for interaction with the audience. People ask you questions. You it's it's It also has its own, uh, I think, place. Mm -hmm. yeah. And somebody who goes on a journey is immediately interesting to people. I mean... <laughs> I've done that myself that I come back yeah. and just telling about different yeah. journeys yeah. 
Last yeah. time yeah. I did that was journeying in the Himalayas. And yeah. it's it's always fascinating what you can do there. Though yeah. it seems to me like the whole thing it's it almost seems like a more than a life's work because if you want <laughs> to create a, a huge archive of, of that um before for people in I think for people in Europe it is fascinating that something like this still uh, exists because we don't have a tradition of work songs we don't have a tradition of, of spontaneously singing somewhere I mean, maybe I don't know if we had it at some point but mm -hmm. if we had it it has almost completely disappeared there I, weren't songs in the coal mines and the a lot of the factory songs and all there are none that I am aware of. There is nothing that has been kept. It usually was that people tried to separate things, that they would say, okay, now it is time for work. This is mm. not a time for fun. You know, you, it's like this. Yeah. It's almost like a, 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 a central European or a specific German stereotype that you say, we're going to separate work from fun. We are not mixing yeah. the two. And this, this yeah. is more of a mindset here. There were songs probably afterwards, and I'm sure if there was a mining operation, a big one, they would probably hire a singer, a comedian or something like that to give the people maybe once a week a little bit yeah. of, of diversion. But it yeah. would never happen at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, this, I think that's something, the, the compartmentalizing of, of, of European experience, or the way we're looking at it, is probably more... We don't mix these things, and that's what makes it so fascinating to see. That mm -hmm. uh, for, for you, it is probably something that happens day by day. I mean, you can go out and see it. Mm. I'm not so but, sure, but in the sense that uh, even here, I think um, so. There have been people who've quite extensively documented work songs um, from like. Uh, ethnographic background and, and things like that and these have been deposited at archives across the country so uh, especially in some specific areas like West Bengal in Rajasthan um, I mean these are the ones I know of where there have been um, very very extensive documentation of the work songs um, and people who continue to do work on them so where I, I think and definitely, I would say that even here in India, it's something that's that it's on its way out as anywhere in the world. Because like when mechanization of work happens, then work song is really something that 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 works along with manual labor. And for where I mean, for reasons good and bad, um, those those songs have no reason to exist here yeah. as everywhere else in the world. And um, hmm. so I think. What has also been interesting for us is seeing how these songs have transformed when the kind of work has changed. Because, uh, for instance, the one that you, you were talking about earlier, this this um, fisherman that is in Kutch. So the song, so he goes out on a, a motorized boat. So the songs that he might have uh, a generation before him, somebody might have traditionally sung rowing songs or or other kinds of songs to go out to fish, they don't exist anymore. They, they, there's no reason for them to exist as a work song. But the interesting thing that Jumabhai, that particular fisherman has done, is that he has adapted those songs to become protest music. 
and so what he does is when he goes out to the sea to fish um when he switches off his motorboat and he's sitting there waiting for the catch to come in um he sings these songs of protest against the industries that have come in all around his fishing village and which are like taking over um his uh his livelihood so it's it's not, and that becomes really interesting because it keeps the song alive in a very relevant way and not in a sort of museumized way it's not just something that's been recorded and put yeah. off into an archive to be sort of you know listened to but it's it's alive there and for a very very relevant purpose and so i guess that's also a bit of what we're looking at where definitely i mean i i don't see that and in many of these forms of labor that we're looking at you see why they there are many reasons why the manual labor is not going to last forever because the work is hard the work is um it's back breaking work in in many many circumstances so certainly the songs are are going to go in in that context when the labor goes but um but it's it's really interesting to see how they how they're how they're either kept alive or modified or or how they stay alive in different mm-hmm. forms i think that that's as interesting yeah i think also one other note on that is we are not we are not looking to create an archive mm. an archive is being created by itself we are we are looking for something else like many places we go to we ask them for the songs and we are looking for it and it's the thing that people are most surprised by because uh, you can't like we don't know if we say go to a madhya pradesh what songs to ask for so like because you don't know what other activities there are so sometimes you say do you have songs of farming or do you have songs of rowing so whatever you ask for they'll point you in that direction so we have these edits with us now these short edits which we go and show which has like a variety of things and people see that they get an idea and say hey actually if this is the kind of thing you're looking at then you know here we go and we hunt for honey from the honey bees they we sing while doing that so do you think that interests you and we say hey, yeah yeah of course of course and then so a new idea of new kind of labor is opened out to us and we go but many times people say ah traditionally we used to have songs for farming so now we will perform for you a song of farming where 10 people will get together and sing a song out of tradition not out of daily usage not out of, so it's something to like keep something alive so we record it but that's not really what we are looking for so it's interesting in an archival point of view but it's not interesting for us because that is not there every day and when you do something for somebody else it has a very different quality to what you do for yourself so and that really is the quality that we are looking for in these songs that's the quality we are looking for in this interaction between these human beings who are working together who are singing together not out of compulsion but because of a desire to work together a desire to sing together so that's i think our main area of focus i guess is the point where this is still alive you know where this intersects yeah yeah, yeah. where it's yeah. not yeah yeah i absolutely understand where it's not an out of ethnographic interest but where it has an exactly. immediate use for people where it, yeah. you could say where it's not even a performance but where it just comes out of the moment Out of the yeah, necessities yeah. of the moment, yeah, uh, keeps yeah. it alive. I think it's a hard. Is, is it a hard search to find things like that? Um, probably not, from what you say, because you ask and people know. Oh, that, that, that's how it works. But what are your experiences 
uh, is that um, can that be a long frustrating search it's oh, no. never frustrating because even if we don't find song we like have conversations and people will tell us about our things so uh, it's rare that i mean i, I can't I don't think that, yeah i don't think there's been anything even if we don't find the song yeah. the journey is never frustrating but yeah. uh, but i wouldn't say it's so common because i think um i we've recorded a lot of rhythms of labor a lot of like movements things like that but song um i mean it's still like countable i mean, I, I don't have an exact count of of how many yeah. but um I, i'm talking about specific like in different forms that we've recorded um it's still it's quite few that are still alive um i would say so and also quite often we go but we've gone in the wrong season and so we know that a song exists but we need to go back there in the right season at the right time to record it so mm. so yeah it, it is very slow but we are perfectly fine with that and now there are mobile phones so everyone plays song out of their mobiles and so sure there's still music and they're listening to that music and working and so there's one loudly playing one particular song and they're still working with that rhythm of that song but they are not necessarily singing it so yeah rhythm still find its way in you know mm-hmm. interesting but even there it is already changes if they record it yeah. on a mobile it's already of maybe course. a step removed or maybe they use it in different ways then maybe it's yeah. like they use the mobile as the basic which i have i've seen a video of somebody using um some some kind of recording as a as a, an indian musician using a recording as a, a subset for a rhythm that he then played over yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's always it depends how how you use it and what you do yeah. with it what uh, one thing that is strikes me as quite unique about the documentary films that you have done for the oramili project is they are wordless almost there is no narrator which i personally mm. think is a very very good choice uh and everything it, it's almost like you are looking for the images to have a certain rhythm or to underline the rhythm of of what you're doing of of what what is happening on the screen yeah um is that a conscious decision or is that something that just yeah. comes out of the material when you're working with it no our main audience is actually places we travel to and because there are so many different languages if we film something in nagaland and you show it in rajasthan they are not going to understand it so and similarly i mean you go anywhere you film somewhere and go somewhere else so when you look at that language dynamics why must everything only come in english as subtitles or you know when rhythm music itself is a language then can we try and tell a story using that and i guess that's been the major motivation you still try and get the translations try and get as much of the poetry of the songs and so on but when the story is being told it will be it should be something that even someone who can't read which is a lot of our audiences should be able to understand and should be able to follow without feeling left out yeah i, I yeah and i think also the the material does suggest like a highly visual language because mm-hmm. i think it's extra i mean for us what has really drawn us towards this thing is that we're able to spend sometimes 2 3 4 days weeks just watching people work when they work with this kind of energy and real 
our main thing has been in trying to translate that energy into the film mm. and uh, it, it just suggests <coughs> that, that we allow the visuals to do the talking as much as possible yeah absolutely yeah and as i as i said i think it's a wonderful choice for that material that you are presenting so it would be completely different if you had a voice narrating and saying this is what is happening yeah. this is who that person is i think it yeah. is it's it's also allows the people to speak for themselves or to sing for themselves yeah. even yeah, with interviews yeah. that you've edited sometimes there are these little snatches but you you get the sense of the person nobody tells you oh this is this person and he's important for that yeah. reason but he's just saying yeah. something and Yeah. you can decide to well, fit it in a uh, 37 minute film which we sent you na from across the country lots of work songs from different places many people who saw that film they said um, uh, i want to know which place this is what location is that and we said yeah all those locations are listed right at the end the name of the singers are listed right at the end but you have this deep desire to get to know things right then and there and we say no 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 it's not important at that particular point maybe that emotion is far more important than the knowledge of which space this is if that interests you it's there it's there at the end of the film but it doesn't necessarily have a place in the film all those uh, other bits of trivia all that context of where is this music coming from what are they trying to say what is the history what is the background all those things are very important but film is not necessarily the only medium to tell those stories in so it can come in as added essays it can come in as photographs or you know things that support the film but in the film it needs to be something else so yeah that's mainly how we are looking at it and so you 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 want to create this sort of inclusive um experience that you at some point you would show uh one of the films then maybe you would do um talks or tell about uh, the journeys you want to make to want to mix all of these different uh, mm-hmm. forms of expression together or is that something that you're already doing so it's not that in one place we would do all of them but according no. to the context i think certain yeah depending on the audience depending on who would who we think is going to be there who, what would people I, and in some places yes they do demand that we use like writing as well as video or, or so i think Yeah, it's really been. There's no one particular plan. We've just been going with it, like. Yeah, as it grows as, as you work on it. It grows yeah. as we go. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I'm just thinking about ways to um, how to to publish all of this, or how to put all of like <laughs> like put a, you know have a place where people have access to all these different kinds of things. Or no, maybe yeah. at that point you're going to talk about uh, traveling, or you're yeah. you're going to show some songs here. Um, yeah. I don't know if that it would is, be useful or not. Oh, it is something we've spoken about, mm. and now we have uh, quite a lot of material. So we've been telling ourselves we need a place and a time to just take two, three months to just go back to all our material and yeah. look it over and really start. trying to find the connections between it and like see what are the other things we can do with it because some of the films we created was also done like right after the material we got the material so maybe now with some kind of distance from it we'll look at it differently we'll find the material uh, i don't know it's a, you always tend to look at things differently after a bit of gap from what you've done before so it it's definitely something we want to look at to see how we can bring all these things together and also the different um, forms of presentation in some way like 
yeah. some kind of network of all these things. But yeah, I think it's going to take some time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just I think it, it would probably be the most interesting way to f- to find an audience and to give not you have found an audience, but to find yeah. a bigger audience and to uh, give people all these different aspects of yeah. that and to look at mm-hmm. that. It's a lot of work, yeah. I'm sure, but it sounds for me. To me, it sounds very fascinating. When you you tell yeah. me that, I'm already picturing that place where everything is, but an illusory <laughs> place, you know, which which would take way too much work to to actually be viable at some point. Um, it, it's fascinating, though, to me. It seems like you are. Uh, I get the sense you are driven between those two poles. One thing there is this. Uh, where where is everything, and how do we put it all there? And then there is the immediacy of that that you. You yeah. know, if you spend too much time in this one place, you're losing uh, what is immediate. Yeah. And if you spend too much time yeah. in what is immediate, you, you lose track of what there is and all these things. Yeah. And it's like you, you're going between those two poles and trying to decide where to focus on. Is that... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's constantly because uh, it's, of course, it's, it's very tempting also to keep constantly being on the road, running from one place to the other, filming, it's very exciting. But uh, then at some point you think, okay, where are we headed with all this material? How is it going to Mm -hmm. uh, come together? What sense is it making? Um, And are we repeating ourselves? Uh, Are we we growing with it? Are we looking at newer things? Uh, And I think, definitely, I think that stepping back and looking at it is like, really important and every time we've done it we've uh, I think we've learned something new like we've looked at something in a different way we've um, met with somebody who's given us like real insights into some of these songs into some of the histories of these songs or um, and that can only come from taking time to just look at the material again that never happens in the process of travel I think because there are, like I said, there's a lot of people who have already done a lot of work as well. So it's um, now that we're a few years into the work, it's it's nice also to be able to look at other people's work and see mm-hmm. how they've approached these songs, how they've recorded them, how they've brought things together. Not just in India, even in other places. So mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's really useful for us as well. <laughs> yeah. It's also an experience I've made when traveling. It's like you have to, every journey is, in reality, it's two journeys. Once you are the only person who's doing that, the first person who's doing that, and then the second time you realize how many other people have done what I've done and and what have they found along the same way. And both are very fascinating to do. The good thing is we're coming from theater. So in theater, most of the stories, most of the scripts are already out there for people to read. And so it's not really the novelty of the story that you are after. It's what you are planning to do with the story. How are you planning to present it? And which is why something like a Shakespeare is relevant even today. Because you take this story that you would have read so many times and seen so many versions of, so many variations of. So it's not really the the, the novelty of, oh, this is something new. That That's not really very exciting. But what are you doing with the story and what is it doing to you? And so that's the question that you kind of keep coming back to. Are there certain themes that develop as you work on it? Do you realize what is what is most important for you in your work? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so there's one thing that we've been looking at that 
has been emerging through many things is this thing of uh, struggle i think has been coming through because we're also at a like funny time politically i would say <laughs> and around the world around yeah the yeah world, we, we are still all in this yeah. funny time and it's going to last <laughs> for another couple of years yes so it is a time definitely when like i think certainly in india a lot of people who are are struggling with livelihood and livelihood issues and so a lot of these songs i mean we just this morning spoke to a friend who's working with um fishing uh, who's been working with fishing communities for for some time now and where we would like to go film their songs of uh, of what they call uh, show shows what's it called show sign show sign uh, which basically they drag in these massive nets um 40 50 people together uh, manually drag in these massive nets of fish onto the show and sing while they do that and uh, but the problem is right now that this season the song may not happen because large fish trawlers um, in other parts of the ocean have already gone out and caught the fish um that is drought, that yeah. it's also a drought year which is creating its own problems so um so yeah it, it, I mean you can't look at the music in isolation the music exists or doesn't exist based on like a whole like sort of ecology of things that's happening around it and uh, and so yeah protest struggle has been very much i think like it keeps coming up every time we look at these connections between like especially labor and music so yeah these times how, how things change as well because you are um <laughs> I I I'm I'm often wondering what the exact way to look at it is because you see so many traditions disappearing or or at first you would think they are disappearing but if you look at them a little more closely you see they are changing they are slowly yeah. changing there's nothing yeah. that completely disappears but it will reappear in a different form yeah and uh, in between these two forms there is a lot of uh often anxiety or struggle or 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 fights because nobody <laughs> knows what will happen and what will the new form of that thing be and that's a very um i th- i think that's a process that's very difficult to to accurately show mm-hmm. like i think what people here do quite often uh in europe i don't know about india is they look at this with um a sort of um, melancholy or saying oh all the the good things die and disappear and i think that's profoundly untrue because mm-hmm. everything just changes into something else yeah um and when you are working with 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 songs or with things like this which are ephemeral in the beginning yeah. you can sometimes see this this form of disappearance yeah yeah is this something that interests you at all like mm-hmm. seeing the change or, or documenting that sort of change very much i think um, and even like in the film that the we're working on right now in nagaland in fact it's it's been quite an interesting conversation we're having with um, the community there because although these are work songs um there are very clear sort of 
guidelines by which these songs are sung so there is a very distinct song that is there for planting versus a distinct song for harvest versus a different song if they were pounding grain different one for winnowing and the lyrics have their own poetry depending on which labor they're for but actually in practice what happens and practice is never like it's never what it's supposed to be and so uh people of course if you actually go out onto the field sometimes the lyrics are mixed up people will sing this for that or um like we said they'll improvise their own lyrics which can be fantastic and um one one particular uh, season when we were there there were these four guys who sang the whole day just making up their own words it was gibberish it was not even their language it was it was fantastic and but it was musically fantastic but completely made up and i think when we showed it back to the community itself there were of course a lot of people who thoroughly enjoyed it and of course a few people who said ha but you can't show this outside because what will people think of us this is not our tradition and it was quite a long like but i think interesting negotiation with them for us because we said of course this we have also songs in the film which are sung very in mm. what is this supposed manner or whatever but we'd also like to show something as it is alive today with all its improvisational quality with all its silliness yeah. with all because that's what makes it alive and um and that's what also makes it in some sense like relevant like there are times when we we were out on the field and someone would insert an english word or two or something i mean just because we were there of course so it's uh that's it makes it relevant for the person who's singing it today as opposed to just something that they have to do because this is what one does and i think that that process of change it has to happen to like to keep it to keep it alive to keep it fun to keep it yeah and no mm-hmm. like no i i guess just right now talking to you i i almost felt like actually our work is more like a diary and uh, yeah. it's it's just a diary that we've kept for these many years and each year each month as we work more as we travel more as we meet more people as just everyday life goes by you change as people little bit little bit little bit and somebody you look back and you know something you filmed like 5 years ago and you're not sure why you filmed it or why you filmed it in that way and so i guess all your motivations all your reasonings also keep changing along with it so that way having a loose structure of how to tell that story really helps because as you change as a human being your 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 understanding of the story from 5 years back is now different and so you should be able to tell it differently so in that sense it just turns into a diary a constantly changing diary i guess yeah very much that's probably one of the challenges there because change happens in you as well as outside of you so what do you yeah, document yeah. which sort of change yeah. all of it or yeah. do you just repeat the same so in that way it's it's also not worrisome if you repeat something because yes. you're just repeating it with a different mindset or with a different set of experiences yeah and as such i had a trail of thought that i lost just now hang on um <laughs> happens all the time. Oh yes, when you were speaking about uh, diaries, that was how, how I I first found your project. I think that was an online uh, basically like a web diary at that point the way you would would say oh, yeah, hey, yeah, we yeah. were up here yeah. we were doing this and you would post either a picture of the day yeah. or these little snippets of of video about what you had just done. 
and that's probably mm-hmm. completely different. I mean, in a way, different to what you're doing now. In a way, maybe not. Maybe just the scope or the the environment for you has changed, or the the mm-hmm. the, the opportunities, what you can do with it. Um, it's fascinating. Do you do you um, do you think about going back to certain people after a couple of years and see what has happened to them and More whether they're still doing that? Most certainly. I, what has been most interesting about filming in Nagaland has been that we've gone to the same village over five years. So we've really been able to follow how things have changed, not changed, all of that. Um, almost nowhere else have we gone back. Um, but that is something that once we're done with this current film, we, we want to do. We really, there are many places that we'd like to revisit, uh, refilm at, see if see how things, not, not just see how things have changed, like you said, out there, but also how we would approach mm-hmm. looking at that same, uh, the same song, the same environment again, given what, where we are at now. So I, it's definitely interesting for us to go back to many, many of the places that we've uh, filmed. And that's something we're looking at actually in the coming months. So For the next project then, yeah. for the next <laughs> part of this. Maybe. Yeah, next part. What yeah. what's the what is the reception generally for your project? Well, how do people react to it? Because you were saying you were talking about this before, like this almost scandalized version of how can you show our tradition tradition change? And this is almost like the reaction to a um, uh, like a controversial play or a film. Like suddenly yeah. you realize, oh, I didn't mean that, or you didn't realize that this part could be controversial. Or, so yeah. I, I just like to hear a little bit about how, how people generally react in in all the ways that they do. Mm-hmm. So I would say, as an outside audience, we've had by and large people who've just been um, curious, interested. Um, wanting to know more, a lot of people who've given us given us a lot of information that's helped us take our journey forward. I think that's been this huge thing with an audience because, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been a massive way for us to find new places to film in where people watch our work and say, oh, why don't you think about going to blah, blah place because I went there and I saw this happen and and making those kind of connections. Nostalgia. Uh, quite a lot of it. Yeah, we, we do get a lot of like nostalgia kind of based like responses to the oh I saw this when I was a child or I uh, my grandmother used to sing like this or I grew up seeing this somewhere else um, or hearing this music that's very 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 often Um, in terms of the people we film with uh, the only place we've really had such a long engagement with over time like over years has been in Nagaland like I said so that's been really, really good for us, I think, because um, to really be ha- have this back and forth questioning, why, what are you going to do with this material? How, what's the right way to show this material? Um, how, how do they want to be represented? How do we want to film? And finding that sort of uh, balance between the two mm. has been a really good process for us. And that's really one reason, like, uh, like you said earlier, that we'd like to go back to other places to sort of have that kind of like slightly more intensive engagement with like different different places we film with yeah we we actually film everything so once you you film something somebody says okay can you 
me and my cousin sister would like to sing you a song now can you please film it so we'll film that as well so like that and um, after we are done with that we give a copy of the footage to the people we are filming with so as there is for them something that uh, something that they wanted how they liked it and there is also a little bit of how we saw something so there's like a mix of this is what i find interesting this is what you want shot so now you can have both and when the film is done we'll show you that as well so it's never that oh but i you know i sung that song but it's not there in the film yeah it's not there in the film but it's there now available through other formats heard um, so uh, a work song not in india it was a recording of a work song i forgotten exactly where um of a work song in a post office and uh, it's absolutely fantastic because there's you can hear it's just a short recording but you can hear um the stamps you can hear the guy who's like slapping the envelope down you can hear like the passing the shuffling of the paper and it's all perfectly rhythmic and they're whistling and the, they're all whistling along with to give it like a base and it's it's perfect so yeah you're absolutely right you can it's it's not that these things have to only exist with like very traditional forms of labor it, it can very much be brought into any environment and that's also yeah definitely part of the fascination for us which is that why do it's also that whole i think disconnect that we tend to have between our work lives and like you said our entertainment lives it's um and that does it have to be that and i think even for those of us who work like in supposedly like performance theater whatever we still tend to have that disconnect like it it still sometimes is okay this is my work i'm going to go perform and be very serious about it and yes. then like yes, yes. and then uh, and then there's you know the time when you kind of like kick your feet back and it's it doesn't have to be that way and i think to find that inspiration in these songs is is really something and uh, i think that that is possibly one of the things that people also really connect to when they see see these work songs which is that that whole feeling of okay even when these people are doing real what can could be really dreary work boring dreary monotonous repetitive extremely backbreaking it could be it could be that that's all you see but it's it's transformed into something else by the imagination and really and uh 
there's no reason that can't extend into into various other forms of labor really and no yeah, yeah. we saw one as in uh, we we read about him first a traffic policeman in chennai oh yeah who dances and he does a fantastic job he just he continues to hum to himself and he dances in the traffic signal and all the cars every vehicle behaves way better than they would behave otherwise because they are so taken aback by this <laughs> dancing policeman and you know and this guy is like a symbol of power he's like an authoritarian symbol right there and he's dancing so the way you look at uh, not just him but the entire traffic police and maybe even the entire police force changes because of just the way you look at this one man who's dancing in the middle of the road when it's really hot if you are interested in finding out more about the Uramili project go online to www.uramili.in i will put the link in the description of this episode along with a few other links to trailers and various clips from Anushka Ishwar's various projects but you can go to the website you can have a look around there and you can find out what there is to see and how you can support the two in their projects thank you for listening to voice of the fire my name is sebastian buchner i'm a storyteller you can find the podcast voice of the fire on itunes and soundcloud so go there and check it out Leave us likes, leave us comments, because this podcast, like any other, lives from community interaction, lives from feedback, and lives from the conversation that it creates. Thank you very much for listening. Join in next time when I'll be talking to Markus Lukonen, the preeminent Finnish performance storyteller. <laughs>